But today is especially too, it's, a, it's more about uh, mission in the workplace, mission in our world and transformation in that space, which is, I live in church world, everyone else lives out there and this is, this is important to our, our Mondays. Uh, so I'd just like to invite uh, Simon and Sharon to come on up and share this. Please welcome them. Um, and uh, I think I'll just hand over to you, Simon, and, and let you guys go. It's great. Thanks, Pat. It's an absolute delight to be back with you here at um, Kenmore. I um, loved hearing about Thailand. I have, Thailand has a very, very special place in my heart. The partnership that the church I used to pastor had uh, wasn't Indonesia like you guys, but was Thailand. So I've probably been to Thailand more than any other country. And um, I love the people. I must confess I love the food as well, um, but it has um, uh, a really special place in my heart, so great hearing from you guys. And I, and I think no surprise that um, um, I'm hearing back in a couple of, other, couple of months' time where I will have more kids available from sponsoring from your area, but we've had a, a, a software issue go on in Compassion, hearing about your emails not getting through, um, and I couldn't, we couldn't get children from your area of Indonesia. We couldn't print one of those things we couldn't couldn't do that so anyway arrange another date for me to come back but if you are desperate to sponsor the kids that i do have i have about i think it's six or eight children they're all from thailand and they've all all been waiting for a sponsor um over 400 days so um if you're already sponsoring in indonesia and you think oh, i could sponsor another child um and you've you've kind of hit, love what you heard about um Indone uh, thailand too many countries going on here um there are some kids there as well, and there is a, a trip going to Thailand, I think it's October um, this year as, as well, just to put that out there. But um, let me uh, just give you a bit of chat about the trip. So Indonesia, we're doing a trip to Central Java in August, 22nd to 29th of August. I think there's about 12 people, 12 individuals and and families would be, I think, probably 15 people that have signed up already from the, the morning service. So um, a lot of interest already. And uh, I do this role with compassion because I went on a trip. So they're dangerous to go on. Um, and I say, go on a trip, go on a trip with compassion and get messed up because we need messing up. Um, the majority of the world does not live like us here in Australia. I mean, we talk about the lucky country, don't we? But um, there are bits about Australia that, that keep us closeted and we've got no idea how the majority of the rest of the world lives. So I think it's great to be able to do that. A number of families there, can we take our children? Yes, you can. Um, come and chat with me. I would say if you've got toddlers, it's probably not ideal. It's doable, um, but it's probably not the best kind of trip to go on. But if your kids are around 10 and above, come and talk to me about that. Um, I think it's good for kids to experience other cultures um, and what's happening in other places. So. Um, what we've got is a sheet at the back table just over there. This is just an, a sign-up of expression of interest. I should have the flyer out soon, and as soon as they're out, I will then um, get it out to you. But if you leave your phone number and an email address, um, I will give you more details. Cost will be somewhere around three, three and a half thousand per person, and that's everything. Like, you could forget your wallet, and you'd be all right. So that's food, transport, hotel, insurance, everything, everything included. So um, it will be around that sort of figure but until we flight prices, they all kind of a bit fluctuating at the moment. Um, we're going to talk this morning about transformation, particularly thinking about the workplace. But it's what we're about in Compassion. We want to see kids transformed from living in a life of poverty to, to having enough. But most of all, transform because they've met Jesus. So in Compassion, we are passionate about um, being all about releasing kids from poverty in the name of Jesus, unashamedly about that. So um, I used to get, I got compassion in my head. I thought, yeah, I get how they work. They, they work through the local church. They're very much focused on children in for the long haul child development. And it is all through the local church. I got that in here. But when I went on a trip, it fell in here. And that's when transformation happened, and that's where I realised I need to do more of, to get this message out. You are in quite a unique church. We started a partnership with you guys in Indonesia in COVID, so in 2020. And um, you saw the biggest number of children sponsored online than any other church in Australia. I think that's something to celebrate, absolutely. 
And it, it said something about, to me, of a cohesive church that's working together when there was, even when you couldn't meet. And, and the number of children you sponsored in such a short space of time, just four years, is quite phenomenal. So um, I just want to celebrate that and say thank you for, in a sense, coming to the party, coming to the table. And here's this opportunity for a, uh, for a trip to say, um, come on a trip together, because it will do something among you as you meet together in that environment. It's really quite special, quite unique. Um, so I recommend that um, to you. So we're just going to watch a quick video. Now, it's, uh, it's, um, it's a bit of a fly on the wall look at what does a trip look like? What, what might you experience? What might be it be about? Let's take a look at the screen and um, have a look at this. Take a moment to experience new horizons. To explore the roads less traveled. To discover new places, people and cultures. See the world with new eyes. To run free. To celebrate and dance. a little bit of um, insight there. Look, compassion trips are not like many mission trips where you're going to minister and you're going to maybe build something or paint something or, or evangelize. We want the local people to do those things and invest in their local economy to do that. We want to go and build friendship. Go and be among the people. So you don't have to have any qualification or skills about just being ready to go and um, sit with people, hear their story. And often when we leave, they say, please don't forget us because they won't come this way, but we can go that way. Um, and um, there's a, a great story of Mouse, and his, uh, Mouse decides to leave his local community and go on an adventure. And, um, and he hasn't gone very far where he gets to this great chasm. There's this huge gorge, if you like, and he thinks, oh, how am I going to get across this? And then he, he sees this rope bridge, and, and, but the, the gap between the planks is, is just is too big for Mouse to get over. And he looks at the, 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 the rope between and thinks, I could go across that, but there's a big drop either side. And he's sitting, standing, loitering, thinking, I, I, I don't think I can do this. And then he hears this booming voice behind him. And he turns around, and there's Elephant. And, and an Elephant says, what are, you, what are you doing? He says, oh, I just don't think I could do this. I, it's too big. It's, I'm too small. And, 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 and they have a bit of a chat. And at the end of the conversation, uh, Mouse climbs onto Elephant's head. 
and uh, they walk across the bridge. You can imagine a big elephant and, and a rope bridge, and, 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 and when they get to the other side, Mouse says in the biggest voice he can muster, man, you, we made that bridge shake. Sometimes, you know, we can feel like mouse. I mean, you think, I don't want to do this. Uh, I long to see change. I long to see transformation. But it's, it's too big. I, I can't do that. And you, we, can, we can say, did, did, did mouse really make the bridge shake? <laughs> I think 99.9% was elephant. Um, but, you know, they went together. And so for us, I think this morning, it's all about God, the elephant, if you like, but we join with him, and let's see what bridges we can make shake. Let's see what transformation can come when we join with him. Um, it's a delight for me to, to be able to share this with my wife. She's going to do most of the talking. Because, um, not because she does, well, she does use more, more words than me, um, but let's not go there. <laughs> um, the reason is that I've really pretty much worked in church world for the last 35 years. I used to be a car mechanic before that, and I've been in the workplace, and I remember what it was like, and it was hard. There were hard environments to be in. But for my wife, she's pretty consistently been in the workplace that whole time. And if I look back over my pastoral ministry, one regret I have is that I didn't put more effort into speaking more about what does it mean to live for Christ in the workplace. I feel a regret of that. And when Pat and Trish and I were talking over dinner a little while ago, and my wife and I had shared some of what we're going to say with another church, and he said, hey, can you do that here? So that's why we are here, to really think about transformation in the workplace. So um, enough of me. Let me um, introduce my wife. She's going to say a bit about herself, a bit about her context, um, and then we're going to do a little bit of tag team as we go through. But probably the only other thing I'll come on um, up show, and the other thing that I'll say is we're going to do this sort of backwards to most preaching. And usually with the preaching, we, we, we start with God's Word, then we kind of unpack it, and then we apply it. That's probably the normal pattern that you're used to. Well, here we're going to look at the application, we're then going to unpack it with some stories, and then we're going to look at God's Word right at the end. So we're, we're doing this in reverse order, just so you know a bit of what's coming. Over to you, Sharon. Thank you, Simon. And hello, everyone. It's so good to be here with you. And thank you to Pat and Trish for allowing me to come and speak with Simon, which um, I'm grateful for that because um, he knows Simon and doesn't really know me very well, so I could have been a bit of a loose cannon, but I imagine that he's let me speak in your second service, so I think we're going to be okay. Um, <laughs> before the first service, Pat said to me, how are you feeling? Because I just want to say out there, I'm not a preacher and I haven't actually spoken in front of lots of people much in my life at all. And I was like, oh, no, no, I'm okay. And then when I got up here, I felt really nervous. So I want to thank those after the first service that made me feel so much more at home. So I'm feeling a bit more at home now. But because of how I work, I really like to connect with you. So I just wonder if we can put the lights so I can see you all. And then what I'm going to think of this as is that you're, we're all in a home together. This is a kind of home and you're just pulling up a couch in my home and we're gonna have a chat. Um, I've always loved your church here. I've, um, as journeyed, um, Simon's journeyed with Pat particularly, and I've known a bit about your church and my daughter did, I think the steps course here. I love what you carry in that sense of renewal. And that, let me tell you, having been around a lot of churches is quite unique in Brisbane. And we really, we need more of that, don't we, Lord? We need to be renewed, and particularly for what I'm going to be talking about today, which is what does faith look like in the workplace? And um, we need that renewal, powerful anointing on us to be transformed inside in order to be like that. But we are normal, ordinary people that are empowered by him and the Holy Spirit. By the way, with Pat and Trish, if you've never heard Trish's story of coming to faith, you really should ask her. It's absolutely spine-chilling, amazing about what God can do, that he can come into even the darkest places and see change. So sometimes when we think, oh, I'm never going to see change in that person, we are totally wrong, because God loved the world that he wanted all to come to him. 
So it won't take you long to realise with my accent I'm not from here. Um, I'm actually born in Scotland, but mainly lived in the UK, in the east of England, south of England, um, and then in Surrey, hence a little bit of that poshness in my voice, which I always vowed that I would never have. Anyway, I've been Aussie-fied. We've been here for 16 years. We came over as a calling on our lives to go and pastor the Church of Christ in Arana Hills. We brought over five children. Um, one of them was here at your first service with his wife. The other three are at another church this morning um, because they're a bit scared of what I might say about them. Anyway, I'll be good. So Simon um, came over and in a sense, as a calling of a pastor is a pastor's wife, it's a calling on you as well. And the church I always looked at as being this beautiful sheep's pen where we're all part of it, aren't we, and encouraging each other and supporting each other. But for what? It's always, isn't it, got to be for those outside of the church. And I always felt what was on me was escaping from the sheep's pen and getting out there where the wolves were howling, so to speak. And in the context I'm going to talk about today, that will be in the workplace which I imagine a lot of you here will share some of this with me. And I'm very aware as I speak, and I've got the mic, and tell some of my stories. As I heard after the first service, you've got so many stories too. And, you know, we are all in this together, isn't it? It's just about encouraging each other and cheering each other on. So, all different, all different situations. Um, all different families, different challenges, different neighbourhoods you live in, and different workplaces. So I'm in healthcare, and uh, I'm a midwife. So when we came over, different culture, different continent, we had to settle in these children to school, we were settling into church, we were settling into your culture, which, believe me, was more different from the English culture to what I had imagined. Um, even some of the language was different. <laughs> anyway, um, we did that, and, and I realised whether we're on the other side of the world, wherever we are, and all of us to here who know, who know Christ, is despite all our differences, the one major thing that we have in common is that Jesus Christ lives in us, and he is working out his story in our lives. So I hope I can be of some encouragement and that God will empower you today in your faith journey, in whatever your sphere of influence is. So it might be any of those that I have mentioned. All right, so as I have a mic, the mic, here's a little bit of a snippet of my story. Um, as I said, how we came over, two weeks in, I had to go and start a new job as a midwife in the city. Now, I'd worked in a few hospitals as a midwife, so I had a bit of experience, and I thought it was going to be okay, and it'll be a nice soft landing and a nurturing environment, and I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to sharing my faith there. However, how wrong I was. It was actually incredibly challenging. And um, without going into that story in great depth, what I had to do was man, I had to dig deep in him. You know, those moments, you'd have had them where you just feel like, God, my back's against the wall. I actually can't do this. This is crippling and having to get up every day. And everything was so different. And, and that was happening. At the same time, any of you who've given birth know that birth can be quite a dangerous journey. So in my hands were was that responsibility of mothers, their babies, their families. And I had to learn policies, protocols, all of that really, really quickly on my feet. So I just want to say here that digging deep into God was actually one of the most powerful parts of my story. It's not something that we look for, but actually when it's happening, it's hard but afterwards, the way that he renews us, the capacity of faith that he gives us is quite phenomenal, isn't it? It's like it's not so easy to have faith when we're cruising, but when we need him, boy, we need to have faith. Now, 
Simon's job had brought us here on the temporary visa, but immigration don't really work, work with sort of, you know, um, religious workers. That's not a reason to come to Australia. Interesting. But my job was the one that was going to keep us here. And so amidst all of this going on, if I couldn't make this work, then we had to go home. And we felt we were called here, so it was very challenging. And in a sense, I felt like I had a four-year penance on me of so many hours a week I had to get through and in order for us to be able to actually stay in Australia. Um, I even had to do a whole day of English testing to make sure that I spoke English well enough to be allowed to stay in your country. <laughs> and I know, that was hard. So anyway, <laughs> picture yourself like me. Some of you I know it's easy to do that because it, life has been challenging. And, um, and the culture was one of a bit of intimidation, of bullying, it's hard graft, isn't it, when you've got to get up into that every day. Coming over, I thought, well, surely a midwife's a midwife, right? A bit like if you're a midwife, you're a midwife. No, no, no. That actually can be quite different depending on the culture that you're working in and the context as well. So remember I said in, my, in the midst of all this, my burning desire was to be a light in the workplace. That's what I wanted. That's what I'd been praying for. That's what I dug my life into. And suddenly, that desire changed into, God, I just need to survive. <laughs> Never mind all that. I actually need to survive. And so, as I dig, dig deep into him, what happens, I have to reach out my hand really, really strongly and say, Lord, you've got to hold me through this. And it's like that secret place, isn't it, that God teaches us, Jesus teaches us to pray in, in our room intimately with him. And man, that increased in that season. And also I had a nice 40-minute train journey to every shift. Um, and most of that was spent in praying and reaching out to him. So I'm grateful for that because in that he allowed me to recenter and to reach out to him like that, when I am weak, then he is strong. And I, I used to speak those words out quite a lot. Um, sometimes it would be diving into the toilet in the workplace just to have another toilet break to say, God, you've just got to help me. When I am weak, you are strong. I am believing you that you will help me through this. So the stakes were high. And look, running forward with my story quickly because of time, three months in, I was done. This is like really, really hard. I was like, I can't do this. We're going to have to go home. And I said to God, but you called us here. Surely, please, if you called us here, surely there's something you can give us. And he did. He's so good, isn't he? He gave me a beautiful colleague at work. She had just become a Christian, and she was so full of faith. And this was very humbling for me, because she said these words, Sharon, what about if God wants you to stay and be the change that this place needs? What if he wants to bring transformation in this place for you? Well, how I was feeling right then was not actually like, that's great, thank you. Um, I was still wanting to withdraw. But you know what happens when the spirit works, doesn't he? He speaks in this quiet, powerful voice, and he says, but have faith, watch me, hold on to me. And so in that, my survival mode started to transfer into transformation mold. And I started to pray for my colleagues with this friend, praying for the workplace, praying for his power to be evident there. Five years on, I remember having a, an annual review in my manager's office, and she said to me, Sharon, just trying to work out what's happened in this place. Do you remember when you came? It was like a revolving door. It was really hard. You know, everyone was leaving, and it was hard to get staff. She said, well, I want to tell you right now, you can't actually get a job on this ward. It's actually really difficult to get a job here because everyone wants to work here. So with the transformation, word spread. God brought in, I believe through our prayers, other Christians, he brought in some other beautiful people as well. And the darkness gets pushed to one side. It's then not cool to be 
intimidating and bullying because then what happened was it was a nurturing, loving environment. It was a team environment. And the patients used to come and ask to come to our floor. The word spread, and look, there's a bigger story there about what happened, of how it spread into other areas, because God multiplies that work with that tiny little seed that came from my friend by his spirit. So there is so much hope, whatever life is like in your workplace. You'll have stories, some of you, and some of you will feel maybe, I don't know, but like giving up. But I remember in this that without faith, it is impossible to please God. He wants us to live our lives, doesn't he, in such a way that there's a capacity to need him. And sometimes that's brought on us by different situations, and sometimes we have to move and wrestle ourselves to put ourselves out there a little bit more as well. Without faith, it's impossible to be please God, but nothing is impossible for him. When we do that and we reach out our hand, he's so ready to take us, and we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how the story's going to end, do we? That is part of the journey of faith. But at the same time, I love this that it gives us the opportunity to work, live our lives out so that the only explanation is the gospel. Now, that might be, for those around us, look at how you're living. The only explanation must be something magical. Well, we say that's the power of God, it's the gospel. But I also want to stress it's actually for us as well. When we're living in that way where faith is being exercised, we live in a place, don't we, of more rest and more joy and more hope. So don't be in survival mode. Always remember to see the bigger picture that God has. He has a picture for your workplace, your neighbourhood, that is far outweighing anything that we can see in her here. And I think it's just saying, Lord, let me see that. Let me see transformation, give me some of what you can see that's going on. And as I reach out to you, Lord, will you put in my hand the things that I need, the gifts that I need, and watch what he does? I'll tell you more in, a bit more in a minute. Stay here. Um, I know that um, uh, for a lot of people here, sometimes you think, you hear, hear a story, you hear about this sort of you know, transformation in the workplace. So, yeah, that happens for some people, you know, and sometimes you think, oh, you know, Sharon just got lucky, you know, and that's that just how it happened and how it worked out. But I know that, we've been married for nearly 38 years, that Sharon has seen transformation in our local neighbourhood, um, 12 people coming to faith, um, just in our street. Mm. Um, transformation in our local church. I talked about my son and uh, daughter-in-law here today, transformation they're seeing in their local neighbourhood and in their workplace. is what God does, if we dare to believe. But I know that, that for a, a lot of times, we can look at that and think, oh, it's all right for you. But can you, can you say from, if you like, that bit where, where the, the switch flicked, you know, where the, the Holy Spirit said, no, it's not just survival, we want to see transformation happen, where that changed, and then for that five years, it wasn't like God just dropped transformation mm. into the ward. There was a whole lot, I know, because I heard your stories every day of coming home, of <laughs> this happened, or that didn't happen, or all, of, all of that. So mm. can you just give us some entices, the kind of thing of what... How were you living at work that was a big part of what brought transformation? Yeah, it's um, like that story, isn't it, in, in Acts of like we're a band of ordinary men and women, but we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Just get my notes. And um, that's what it's like. It's like none of us are you know, I never sort of think of being an extraordinary evangelist or anything. That um, scares the life out of me. But it's being who you are and that God has called you to be. And years ago, I remember hearing in my early 20s our pastor say, you know, in helping others come to Jesus, three things. One is be intensely spiritual, relying on your heavenly father, digging into him. We need that, don't we? But being thoroughly practical, so looking where you can serve and help and be kind. But the one I'm really talking a lot about today is being perfectly natural. And I think that's being the fullness of God in you, of what he wants you to be. Because we are all uniquely gifted and made. 
And we're all there because we are the ones who have the capacity to reach other people that he gives us. And it's together as a team that we do that. So I think it's like a key is, I've always thought, just be natural, be yourself. I, I don't think I would talk any differently, really, to people who are Christians and those who are non-Christians. Why do I need to change my language and my voice? Um, why do I suddenly need to act all kind of, you know, like I've got this great big gospel story or be ashamed as sometimes people do or be religious or be weird? Don't be any of those things. It's a real put off, but just be who you are. Um, remember that the Bible, the gospel in itself is the power of God. We're all, we're all just joining in with what is the truth. And so there's nothing to feel afraid of or be ashamed of. Don't feel like you have to kind of tell the whole story in one go as well, that if you haven't actually brought people to understand what the fallen nature is, the death and resurrection of Jesus and the atonement, that somehow you have failed Jesus. You know what, if you overdo it, you don't give any room for the Holy Spirit to work. So... <laughs> You know, listen and read the room and the situation. And sometimes it's just that drip feeding, isn't it? Leave people hungry so that they actually have space for the Holy Spirit to work. Don't try and do his job. Um, anyway, a great analogy I heard and just recently, but you may have heard it already, is in your workplace, be a fridge, right? So Stephen Gray, Church of Christ pastor, gave this analogy, and I think it's absolutely like this. So when you're a fridge, you don't jump up on the, on the bench and say, you know what, everybody, I'm here and I'm a fridge, right? I'm here to keep your food cold. You can come to me in, my bra in your breaks. I'm here, I'm a fridge. People know that you're a fridge. They know what a fridge does. But what, but what is a fridge? It's there, isn't it, to keep your food cold. You need them a lot in Australia, don't you? I discovered you need to put bread and everything in the fridge. Um, <laughs> so be a fridge for them. We go to a fridge, don't we, when we're hungry. We go to a fridge when we need a break. We go to the fridge for comfort food. <laughs> Perhaps when we shouldn't. So be a fridge. Now, three years ago, I have many stories. I'm only going to tell you a couple. A colleague of mine at work died in an RTA. It was terrible. You know that thing when it's a shock? There was a numbness. People couldn't get their head around it. It's like, what happened? It was a terrible story. And there was that sense of grief, and we don't know what to do. So... My colleagues asked me if I would run her memorial service. Oh my gosh, I was like, I don't know that I can do that. I'm not a minister. I, my heart's beating even now, remembering what it felt like. It felt a very stressful um, responsibility for me. But you know, God was so kind to me. We went to the botanical gardens and there's a little spot in there where they do weddings and things. And there were 36 lovely white chairs there, just left over from a wedding. And the lady came to pick them up. And I said to her, oh, there's no chance you could leave those, could you? I'm doing da-da-da-da and told her what I was doing. She said, oh, yes, yes, that's fine. You can have them. 36 chairs, 36 staff members came to that memorial service, some of them managers. And as I saw that happened, it was like a teardrop from God saying, Sharon, I'm with you. You know what? I love this song. It says, we are an anchor for those who don't know him. We are a harbour for those that are lost. You know, in these situations, we are a pastor to those who don't know him. We are a fridge. Be a fridge. You know, at work, they are watching us, aren't they? Whether we like it or not. We are a witness whether we're a good one or not. When we're under pressure, they see us. When we feel like we're going to lose it, they see us. Time builds our reputation. I don't know about you, but I don't generally get up in the morning ready to go to work. I'm on shift early in the morning. I'll get up at five. I don't think to myself, great, 
Gospel Monday, here we go. But I do go to work with intention in my heart. Intention to say, how are you? How is it going? To listen to people, to remember what they've said about their families, to show genuine interest. Sometimes I've had opportunity to put a hand and pray with them in the staff room or out on the ward. Sometimes it's practical. Some of my close colleagues at work are some of my best friends. You know, one of them, all from different faiths, she's a spiritualist. You think, well, what have we got in common? We have a lot in common. She's a great midwife, I hope I am too. <laughs> so she's one of my besties, and over the years I have um, shared books, I've shared DVDs, and now movies that we watch, conversations, and I never forget the day she brought back the Shack movie to me, and she pushed it across the table with tears in her eyes. There was no one else in the room. She said, Sharon, please tell me that that story's real. Isn't it? If we don't plant seeds out there, who's going to tell them? It's for us, isn't it? With Jesus, there's only two messages, really. One is, come to Jesus, and the other one is to come closer. You know what, I just think, I don't know about you, I think Jesus is irresistible. The real him is so irresistible and when he touches your life and he wants to touch their life, life as well, he wants to do that for everyone. He died for the whole world. Another friend is an atheist apparently. I'm always a bit suspect of that. And a while ago she asked me to pray for her that she would conceive. It's interesting, isn't it? Oh, I don't believe in your God. But will you pray for me? Another close friend is of another faith, and I've journeyed with her. And her husband died 10 years ago, and I was the first person she saw on her return to work. I remember her coming in. Oh, I remember it. Sobbing and sobbing uncontrollably in my arms. I thought she wasn't going to be able to work. You see, they were very close, and she missed him. It was just so heartbreaking. A few months later, on a night shift, she was at the other end of the ward, and I wandered up there to just see how the patients were going, and I saw her on the computer. I said, oh, what are you looking at? Oh, she said, seances. You see, she was desperate to speak to him. Desperate, absolutely desperate. Sharon, what does your Christian faith say about seances? I put my hand on her shoulder, you must really miss him. It became a hug. And look, we had a chat about it. Then came the question, Sharon, where is my husband now? Pause. Now, might have got your attention with this one. It got my attention. God help me, help me. I did answer her question, but you know, what I said is not the important part. The important part is that she felt safe to ask me. Be a fridge. Be a fridge. You see, let's find what connects us, hey? Not what disconnects us. In my early 20s, I remember hearing just very quickly of an evangelist, Floyd McClung, saying this. He went to the right red light district with his family and basically he said, my neighbor, nothing in common, nothing. But they had the same plant in their window box and that plant actually became the beginning of a journey of that man coming to faith. There's always something. We're human, aren't we? There is always something. And it might be that way. Sometimes I think we can think with our work colleagues, you know, they're always out partying, Oh, maybe I should be too, but, <laughs> but you know, there's, they might be very different to us, but there's always something that you can find that will connect them. Just start showing interest, isn't it, and asking questions. I have countless stories of this being true. Find a connection. Remember as well, particularly when you get on to talking about faith, is don't suck all the oxygen out of the room by just going off on your great story, all right? Sometimes we're full of adrenaline and we're feeling like we've got to do it all right now. If not, we've lost the opportunity. Don't, don't forget, listen. We've got two ears. That's the most important thing. Listen 
to what's at the root of what they're saying. Leave them wanting more, let the Holy Spirit work, like I said earlier. One night shift. So, as a midwife, you do a lot of night shift. The only good thing about night shift, right, is having time to talk to people. Because on night shift, people are tired and they're undone and they're willing to listen and chat about anything. So that's about the only thing, though, because night shift is gruelling. And I remember one night shift, I was on with this beautiful young midwife who told me that she was an evangelist in the Muslim faith. I was like, oh, great. Let's hope, Lord, that we have a bit of time to chat tonight. And we did. She asked me so many questions. Why is Jesus famous in your Christian faith? Why Jesus? Aren't there many men that have died for their friends or their country or their faith? Why do you hang everything on him? Good question, eh? I asked her many questions too. What do you feel when you go onto that prayer mat? Like, what is happening in your heart? What does Allah do for you? Why do you do Ramadan? What's all that about? It's so fascinating and interesting. And I always remember in those precious moments of conversation, you might be the only chance that they get to hear a glimmer about Christ. So it's make the most of every opportunity, hey? Open up, don't clench up, open up your heart. Be honest, be full of love. Remember, it's not about having all the answers. A lot of it is about how we make people feel, that they feel connected, they feel that they can ask more. There'll be some other person who's gifted who might be able to tell them more. So we always do know enough. Not that I mean by that, sometimes I have rehearsed things in my mind of what I'd say if this would happen or that would happen. So by all means, do that too. I could share so much more, but I don't feel there's time right now. But how do I finish? How do we finish? We never do, do we? We never do. Because there's always more, always more to do, always more opportunities. But what I will say is, whatever your setting is, whether you're working, whether you're overseas on mission, whether it's in your neighborhood, in your family, Remember, we only get one life, and do not waste your life. Don't be satisfied with anything less than God's plan for you. And I always remember in this, the joy and excitement that comes from it, like his work is my rest. His work is your rest. When we're walking in his work, we feel that contentment, that peace. When we know that his name is glorified, we are most satisfied, aren't we? So look for what he has put in your hand as part of this mighty army of men and women that are filled with his spirit. You know, at the end of our life's journey on earth, Jesus will meet us, won't he? I always loved when I heard when I was in the Congo and this beautiful doctor saying to me, Sharon, you know what? The best day of your life is the day that you go and meet Jesus. It's the day that you die. We forget that, don't we? Then all of our work is done. It's done. You know what? I don't want to get to those beautiful gates and meet him and see how glorious it is and then look back and think, man, I wish I'd done more because I don't get that time again. The years are ticking on, aren't they, for some of us? (laughs) But actually the truth is that none of us really know when that day will be, do we? We don't know when that great day will be. So be encouraged. Remember, I love what you were saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto all that believe and Jesus died for the whole world. Let's just join in with him. Mm. As we we wrap things up, we're going to come to God's word in just a second. I just want to literally read. Um, I want to say to you, what's your take home today? It might be something you've heard about Thailand. It might be about the trip. It might be 
about the workplace, your family, your context. You might be thinking, oh, you know, I'm not really an evangelist. You know, Sharon's obviously an evangelist. You know, Paul, Paul says to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. We're all called to do that, whether that ministry sits on us or not. We're all called to make the most of every opportunity. And Sharon's reminded us, we need to be perfectly natural. We need to be totally practical, but intensely spiritual. So I want to ask you, if you would, for a moment, is to shut your eyes, and I'm going to read a passage from the Bible. And it really sums up everything that we have heard and what it's about. You know, you can, you can have the best theology. A very well-known the- theologian said these words. He said, I hope to stand before Jesus one day, but I'm pretty certain I know there's one thing he's not going to say. I'll put put my name instead of his. He he said, I know Jesus is not going to say, Simon, I just want to congratulate you on your theology. You know, so many other people stuffed it up, went down the wrong track, but you just nailed it. You know, you nailed it on the this. It's not going to happen. You know, we know this tiny amount of the enormity of who God is. But this passage sums up what's at the heart of Christianity. And if we're not doing this bit... Really, what do we have? So let me read and I invite you to shut your eyes if you're willing and just to listen. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I might boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy and it does not boast, it's not proud, it not, does not dishonour others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. And where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I I talked like a child. I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Would you stand with me for a moment? If, If you're thinking, I still don't know if I can do this in the workplace, how do I love people? Can I give you one thing? One thing that I learned as a painfully shy teenager that felt like I couldn't do life because I just felt I didn't fit socially and I I found it incredibly hard to talk with people. And then I learned this, to ask questions. And I'm I'm gonna say this in danger of um, upsetting Aussie culture. But the engine's running of the car, doors are open, I'm I'm gonna run in a moment. You know, as Aussies, what I learned was Aussies are great storytellers. They love having a good yarn. But Aussies generally aren't very good at asking questions. And I want to say, if you don't know how to share faith at work, you don't know how to love people, start by asking questions. How are you? How are you really? How's your family? Ask some of those questions and people will start to see you are a fridge they can come to you, that you don't gossip, you're genuinely interested in them, you're loving them, and it's the heart of Christianity, because Jesus loves you. 
and he cares about you. He loves you before you were born. Even when you stuff up, he still loves you. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. He just loves you because he does. What he does is because who he is. And we need to bring a bit of that into our workplaces. And I think that's what you've heard from my wife. I'm interested in you, even if you're a Muslim, if you're a spiritualist, if I've got nothing in common, let me ask you some questions. How are you? And how are you going? I'm going to ask Sharon to pray for us as we stand. Whether your context is work, whether it's family, whether it's just people you're, 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 you're meeting, we need to be church out there. Big time. That's why this message is so important. Sharon, would you lead us in prayer? Mm. And I just want to say we're, we're really all in this together, aren't we? It's not about my stories or your stories. It's actually about him. And so if you would like to join with me in saying, Lord, help me to just be the part that you want me to be in seeing your kingdom come in the places that I move and have my being, then I just want you to put your hand on your heart. And then if you're near somebody, put your other hand on their shoulder because that's an acknowledgement that we're in this together. It's not me, it's us, and it's all about him. And then just either out loud or quietly in your heart, just start to tell him. You might be telling him the things that you find hard, the whys you can't. All of those things, let him know how you feel. And even when you're out of this place, dig deep into that honesty and that realness and that naturalness of you and your Heavenly Father. Maybe ask him to open your eyes to opportunities. And Lord, I just want to ask as well that if there is any spirit of insufficiency or intimidation for people and in the workplace it feels too hard that you would by your spirit break that power that they would be released to feel free that you would empower them lord take away that feeling of pressure i remember reading that billy graham said look it's all the bible says on the last page it's all going to turn out all right so no, it's all going to be good we've got him living in us so Heavenly Father, let your work in us be our rest. Would you empower us standing with you in agreement today? Enable us to see what you are doing in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our workplaces. Open our eyes so that we can join in with you. Jesus, would you set our hearts on fire again for us?